0: Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Audiocast Newsletter. I'm your host, Dr. M, and this is Volume 12, Letter Number 46. In this issue, we talk about PFAS Forever chemicals, children's strengths, and we get into a little bit of a discussion about hospitals. The free thoughts this week, love is the oxygen of life. It's what we all want and need most. That was said by Tony Robbins. This week's song, is Is It Any Wonder by Durand Jones, a new band that I saw recently with Greta Van Fleet. Very, very good. The podcast that corresponds with this audio cast is Dr. David Katz. He is an expert in the space of nutrition and childhood weight gain, and we get deep in the weeds on that discussion, so go enjoy that. Okay, what are PFAS Forever Chemicals? PFAS Forever Chemicals stands for the word per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances or forever chemicals as they're otherwise known as are being found all throughout the world as their use has risen over the past six plus decades. PFAS are a family of chemicals known as POPs or persistent organic pollutants as they are reported to not break down easily over time. They have been found in products like Teflon-based non-stick cookware, Scotchgard, Gore-Tex stain-resistant carpeting, clothing, or furniture, dental floss, commercial firefighting foams, and many types of food packaging. Unfortunately, these toxins have been detected in drinking water, house dust, and food and beverages that we commonly consume. So when we look at this and we understand that now the biomonitoring analysis notes that 98% of Americans have detectable amounts of these per-fluory alkyl chemicals in our system, in our blood, and in our tissues. Quote, the report concluded that an association is likely between chronic PFAS exposure in children and medical concerns such as elevated blood cholesterol levels, dyslipidemias, slightly lowered birth weight, and reduced antibody response to certain vaccines or infections. Children are more vulnerable to environmental pollutants like PFAS than adults because of breathing space closer to the floor, lower body weight, differences in water and food intake, developing organ systems, and longer lifespans during which toxic effects might manifest, end quote. That came to us from Wolf et al. on the AAP website. So when children consume more water, and food per body weight, increasing the concentration of these PFAS chemicals that they are exposed to during the day, that leads to issues. Children are rapidly growing, which allows the interface between the PFAS chemicals, the dividing and growing cells, to shorten, thus potentially increasing the risk of disease in this age group. According to the Environmental Protection Agency's website, current peer-reviewed scientific studies have shown that exposure to certain levels of PFAS may lead to the following. Reproductive effects such as decreased fertility or increased high blood pressure in pregnant women. Developmental effects of or delays in children, including low birth weight, accelerated puberty, bone variations, or behavioral changes. Increased risk of some cancers, including prostate, kidney, and testicular types reduced ability of the body's immune system to fight infections, including reduced vaccine responses, interference with the body's natural hormones, increased cholesterol levels, and or the risk for obesity. I highly encourage you to watch the documentary, The Devil We Know, for an intimate look at this issue and a deeper dive further into why these chemicals are so ubiquitous in our environment and specifically so in places where it's produced. So what are the recommendations around what to do in situations based on this new known reality? According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, the key recommendations for pediatric healthcare care providers is to assess patients for common sources of PFAS in their environment, including drinking water, fish, and game caught in contaminated areas and occupations such as firefighters and the military. And provide families with strategies to reduce exposure, such as filtering contaminated drinking water with an NSF certified filter, follow local consumption advisories for fish and game, use stainless steel or cast iron cookware instead of Teflon nonstick, avoid stain resistant textiles, waterproofing sprays, and products with PTFE or fluoro ingredients on the label. And for me, these are simple ones. Number one is automatic for me. I think everyone that has access to the ability to have a specific filter put in their house have all their drinking water cleaned. We have it in our house, and I highly encourage it for everybody. We can offer PFAS blood testing to patients with a likely history of elevated exposure, i.e. they live in a community with contaminated drinking water. The ideal blood test should assess the concentration of seven common PFAS compounds. For those tested, use the sum of the seven compounds to inform clinical care. Less than 2 nanograms per milliliter is considered okay. PFAS-related adverse effects not expected. Provide usual standard of care, i.e. If you're in the 2 to 20 nanogram per milliliter range, there's potential, and you should encourage strategies to reduce. Anything greater than 20 nanograms per milliliter, there is an increased risk of adverse effects. So that's where you should probably have the health department come in and mitigate risk. If there are not enough reasons already, here's another consideration. If you have an allergic phenotype, a tendency toward allergic diseases like allergic rhinitis, asthma, or eczema, then you really want to avoid endocrine disrupting chemicals, otherwise known as EDCs. And oh, by the way, PFAS chemicals fit this bill. The allergic phenotype immunologically is known as a TH2 or T helper cell type 2 polarized immune state. This means that at baseline, your immune system releases chemicals that promote the release of cells like eosinophils, mast cells, which in turn release chemicals like histamine that cause our nasty symptoms of sneezing, wheezing, or itching. It turns out that the EDCs promote the polarization of the immune system towards a Th2 slant and away from the Th1 polarity. The shift leads to a movement away from effective pathogen killing in the body, making you more susceptible to infections and inflammation. COVID-19 comes into view here as TH2 dominance is not useful in the fight against SARS-2, making COVID-19 disease worse. As far as I'm concerned, endocrine disrupting chemicals, PFAS chemicals, and all of the above has zero value to humans long-term. We should avoid them at all costs. Visit the Environmental Working Group's website, ewg.org, for more information, and you can take a deeper dive there. Section 2, Play to Your Child's Strengths As we watch our children grow and begin to find passion and joy, this is the time that is key to find a child's strengths, where they are, and help by encouraging that which they love and are good at. Passion and ability can be an amazing combination towards a goal that builds self-esteem and a pathway towards success. Often being good at a few things can be as important or even at times more important than being great at one thing. I don't think that anyone will ever argue that someone that is the best at one thing is not the peak, but those humans are much, much more rare than the group that could be multiple beneficial lines of ability. As parents, it remains our responsibility to provide discipline of work, but not a push toward what makes us happy. I, for example, can fall on my sword for sports as I played the sports that I liked, which may have guided my kids unfairly towards soccer and running. I definitely did not encourage the sports that I found boring. My younger self had a lot to learn. You know, these are all the things about life as we go through them. We learn to parent on the fly and sometimes for the best, sometimes not so much. I think about my years in residency. I learned a whole lot about how to fix patients in the intensive care unit and many other places, but learned very, very little about how to be an effective parent and how to do many of the basic things that parents wanna know about. Those are things I had to learn on my own. Provide lots of love and help your children learn through discipline of hard work and otherwise let them choose their path and support that choice. Section 3. The loss of children's units in rural hospitals is not a turn for the positive. The reason for the loss, of course, is money. Hospital systems make a lot more money treating adults than they do treating children. We have seen this come to light in the rural areas of North Carolina. The consolidation of care has been magnetized to Charlotte's inner city at the expense of most of the hospitals in the 60-plus mile radius around it. At our Royal Hospital, there are nights where we can no longer admit children to our, still available for how long, I don't know, pediatric floor because of nurse staffing. Many parents have to drive down to Charlotte, 50 minutes away, or worse, take an ambulance ride for a few thousand dollars to a new location to be cared for. The consolidation of services to the inner cities has advantages, those being higher quality subspecialists, more surgical options. But in general, This is not one of the benefits. There are things that could be done in rural hospitals that could take care of the child, keep them local with their family, and cost probably significantly less. But that is the reality that exists. Be aware. Hopefully, you can mitigate some of these problems as best you can. Recipe of the week. Greek-style broccoli and pasta from The Recipe Critic. You can get to the recipe on our website, salisburypedatrix.com, and go to the health and wellness tab and click, as always, all of the links related to this audiocast newsletter. For me, I would sub the red peppers for the green type for the sweetness and the taste. Adding some chopped scallions would make me a little happy as well. Also, I'd add some chunks of sopa and chickpeas for more protein. And uh, remember, you need adequate protein at every meal. So that's it for volume 12, issue number 40 six. As always, you know, remember, just hug those kids and have a great day. The information provided in this newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue and does not constitute the formation of a provider-patient relationship.